0: Hey, hey, everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to sit down today with Antonio Centeno, the founder of Real Men Real Style. In today's conversation, we go behind the scenes of Real Men Real Style, how Antonio got a start, how he's grown that platform to over a million subscribers, and how he routinely gets hundreds of thousands of views on his videos each and every month. My big takeaway from today's conversation is really just how Antonio shows up to work and life. He really is a family man, has great values, and is just a great entrepreneur and business owner as well. Very analytical, but can also show up and do the sales and marketing and and really excels at that as well. And I consider myself blessed to know Antonio. Because it was actually Antonio, one of the first people I connected with, that helped me get my start online. He was one of the first people I collaborated with. In fact, it was as I was transitioning out of the Army that I connected with Antonio. And we had this great conversation about how the actual transition system for veterans who are looking to start a business is kind of broken. It's kind of a one-size-fits-all that just doesn't really fit anyone at all. And so we saw this opportunity. And Antonio, myself, and John Lee Dumas ended up collaborating on a project together called High Speed Low Drag. And that was my first genuine foray into online business and helped me kind of get my chops and learn things from the bottom up of starting a business online, what it takes to market and sell, how to create uh, webinars, how to sell on webinars, how how to do effective lead generation, how to run a coaching program, how to create courses and more. So that experience was phenomenal for me. And I've since stayed good friends with Antonio and John, and they've just been incredible resources, incredible people to know. So I bring all that up for two reasons. One, because I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation, and you'll see some of the questions I asked and how we dive into it in today's conversation hopefully will be really valuable for you. But the second piece is just that I think it's so worthwhile to try to connect with people and build relationships with them and see how you can collaborate with them. And so I don't I don't talk about that a lot, but I do have a book called Collaborate that kind of outlines that process and that structure. And if you're interested in that, go to collaboratebook.net, and you can pick that up and if you're just not sure what you're doing or you're struggling to to get traction, I don't think there's a better strategy than working with people who are smarter than you or who are more established or or even more successful than you, more experienced. And if you can work with them in some capacity that benefits them, you can benefit from the learning, the experience, and all in all sorts of other different ways. So I'll leave it at that. And I hope you enjoy today's conversation. So without further ado, let's get to it. So Antonio, the place I want to start is give us a little background on your business, actually how you got started with, we're going to get into Menfluential in just a bit, the conference you're putting together, but Real Men Real Style, where did that come from? How did that originate?
1: Sure. Uh, My first company a tailored suit was an online custom clothier and I created Real Men Real Style as the marketing arm of that clothier. I knew I needed to get traffic to my website and taking a step back even before that, you know, it's like I served in the United States. Marine Corps had a great, you know, five-year career that got stop lost for the trip over to Iraq in 2003. But after I got out late 2003, it was something that I didn't know anything about business, went to business school to teach you all this stuff. And my first business, I took all that fancy education, all that stuff and completely failed. So, I ended up, yeah, I mean, it was bad. I went into bankruptcy with that business. I mean, it was it was tough. But what I did, the silver lining, what I came out of this is I can create content pretty darn well. I had a website called The Art of Manliness that reached out to me, Brett, back in 2008. He said, you're a good writer. Can you come write for me? So, I said, sure. I believed in his mission, believed in what he stood for, which is to help men become better fathers, husbands, brothers, sons. And that right there kind of showed me the power of Because when I talked to him about some of the numbers and financials, I realized, wow, you can make a healthy six-figure profit simply by having a website that you allowed ads on or you did promotions. And that's what really Real Men Real Style and how that came about. And then from that, it was – you start interacting with other people in your industry and I realized I – love to hang out with when many people view as my competitors simply because we get together we could commiserate about all the problems that only content creators can i was getting started and had been had some success on youtube by that point and I reached out to another YouTuber. His name's Aaron Marino, who's the largest actually influencer on YouTube in our space. I was larger when it came down to the the blog presence. And we didn't know each other too well. So we met up at VidCon and we had a great time and realized the power of actually meeting up. And we decided, I think at that event, that, hey, let's have our own event. And we created the first Menfluential. And it was, I think it was Marine Corps started in Ton Tavern, which we always like to talk about. You know, good ideas, good things start in a bar. And that's exactly what happened with menfluential.
0: So let me ask you this before we get into the the actual structure of menfluential and what you're doing to kind of grow that. I want to ask actually cuz you brought it up. You, was it a tailor suit that went bankrupt?
1: And that was your first business? It was. That was my first business and is still the holding company that I use for like legal documents and stuff real and real style.
0: So how do you how do you come back from that? Because I don't know, I think to myself, I guess if if I had had like a really I guess uh, my failures were always kind of really small. I look at them and say, like, they're really small, like the digital product type failures are little things. And I I feel like getting over that or getting past that was like, not that difficult. But I feel like if if there was a, if I put like a lot of time and energy into something, a lot of money, and it didn't work out, I'd be really scared or really nervous to try again.
1: It's all relative because to me, like bankruptcy is really small. I mean, Jefferson, what, put that there so that you could be absolved of your debts. You know, I did some, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, but now I realized, you know, there's a reason it's there and I took a chance and I went for it. To me, big problems are if your kid has cancer. To me, big problems are when you, I mean, and that's, I think the mentality I always took from the Marine Corps is like, I have my truck, I have a can of beans. When I was single, I was like, I'm good to go. Like, I don't need anything else. Now that I've got a family, I realize, okay, as long as my family is healthy and as long as I can give them opportunities, That to me is, is what's key. So I'm like, you know, when I talked to my wife, we're going through this It was tough, and it's like, okay, well, I guess we can go live with my mom back in the trailer in New Mexico. That's not, you know, where I want to go, but we can do it. And my wife, you know, she's hardcore. She grew up, uh, she's former, you know, she's Ukrainian, grew up in Kiev and her mom like came to Kiev with simply one change of clothes, made her way up. My wife is never, you know, money is not It's nice to have, but the best things in life, you know, as you know, they're free. Second best things, they're pretty darn expensive. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. But I guess I wonder too, like, so your mindset at the time was like, this isn't working, but maybe I can move into the content space here. And you kept, if I understand this correctly, you were you were doing this full time and when this one thing didn't work out, you're still doing it full time. You're still like hustling, you're still bootstrapping it as I understand it. So it's not like you went back and you got a job and then like started maybe a side hustle to get back into it.
1: Yeah, getting a job was kind of like, I, I can't even imagine going back to that. I guess that was like, you no, know, I burnt the ships and I was pretty much, I'm gonna make this work. I don't care what's gonna happen. And I think that's the, the you know, an entrepreneur's mindset is that like, I am gonna find a way, like I will sell everything. Like I will lose my house like, I mean, I'm checking with my wife and, you know, she realizes this is the path. And when I look at like business, I look at it like baseball, you know, you only have to be batting. If you're batting 400 in baseball, you're pretty darn good. But that does mean six out of 10 times you're striking out or you're not getting on base. So, I mean, that's, that's good. You know, it's like, those happen. You just realize it's a matter of failing fast, of getting those swings in, and you're going to you're gonna connect. You're going to hit if you're brutally honest with yourself. And I was brutally honest that there are just some things I'm really bad at, and there are some things I'm really good at. So, let's focus in on what I'm good at and also find ways to get paid for it. So, I started surrounding myself with people that were strong at where i was weak sales i'm not that great so i've got a sales guy with another company that i created actually out of the conference uh you know as a media company i have and he just sells the heck out of everything and it benefits everything we do and so that's Yeah. Kind of where I took that.
0: How long did you go when you made this transition kind of more going more toward the content side of things? Because you obviously have a very successful YouTube channel, 2 million subscribers now, but in the beginning, what was that growth like? Was it slow? How did you make sure that you were on the right track?
1: Well, I had already been growing it because in the first sponsor was, you know, my clothing or a tailored suit. That was my goal was to get them over to that. But it was something that, uh, to give myself some time, what I did is I realized I needed to have time to focus in on real men and real stuff. So, I take a, took a tailored suit and I cut off about 80% of my customers. Basically, I doubled my prices. And actually, when that happened, it's funny, the business did a lot better. And I actually thought about, well, maybe I should just do this and just go with the higher price point. But I decided i had already kind of decided I wasn't going to go down that path and that wasn't where I wanted to be. And I immediately worked to get money in. One of the things that really opened my mind was uh, when – I was speaking with a friend of mine and he pointed out, hey, what you're doing for these other companies, basically I was promoting a shoe company for free and they rewarded me. It took me six months because I was still running a tailored suit. It took me six months to do this review of a shoe, put it on my YouTube channel and it sold a whole bunch of shoes and, and to reward me because they had only given me a free pair of shoes, the company sent me immediately another pair of shoes and I'm just like, I can't do this. Like, I don't have time to be promoting these guys for free and, uh, you know, my, my friend Aaron, at the time, he's just like, you need to send him an invoice, 3000 bucks. do it. And I did that and within like an hour, they paid the invoice. So, it was like, and that's almost all very high profit margin on that versus the suits. If I were to sell 3000 in suits, I'd bet the point I would be lucky to keep a few hundred dollars. That's how bad my margins were on the, the other company. And so, I was like, holy cow, like I don't need to sell as much and because the margins are so much higher i can make more money and that's where it sort of shifted we also started selling information products as well we had ebooks and things like that and again very high margin and that's where i started i think when the lights hit me it was i don't have to sell a physical product i could actually be selling information i could be selling advertising and these services these information products have a much higher margin and there at the time wasn't really much competition
0: yeah okay interesting and and that makes sense i think the advertising route is tough because you have to be able to get a vol- you know a, a serious volume to make it worthwhile, but you've done that and you've done it through content. Yeah.
1: You've got to be able to show people that you can, I mean, if you're selling when it comes to Rolexes, if you put out like a, if you have a watch channel and you specifically t- stick with Rolexes, or you stick, let's say, let's go even to cars. I mean, if I'm getting a thousand views and these are real deep car enthusiasts, and you can convince let's say, five out of that 1,000 to buy whatever car. I mean, that, that's probably above. But, you would think, you know, if five out of 1,000 actually go and look at that car and then to buy once they're into the dealership, I mean, that's those, those videos, even though you're only getting 1,000 views, are worth a lot of money because you are moving a very high-ticket item. And so, you only need a lot of views if you're, like, promoting kids' toys, in my opinion. And Kids' toys, you know, there's just because those are, you know, a few bucks that you're making off each toy. But, when you go high ticket and that's where I would advise like anyone is to think about like what you're trying to move and what you're trying to sell. And that's why I love to, you know, occasionally promote bags or I think anyone that has like a camera channel, those are really profitable uh, electronics simply because, you know, you're selling something or you're getting people to go buy something that's worth thousands of dollars.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay, so then what led you to, with Menfluential, it was was connecting with Aaron, who I kind of like this story. You you, you mentioned briefly the intro and mentioning Aaron that you guys teamed up on Menfluential. How you actually connected, I thought was
1: kind of interesting in the first place.
0: Go into
1: that a little bit. Like, this is, oh yeah, we hated each other at first. We didn't necessarily hate each other, but we were competitors. And I think he says that he reached out to me first and he was asking to use my like infographics. Apparently, I said, no, I don't remember this. I, I'm usually saying yes, but that's what he remembered. And so, we just went back and forth and I looked at what he was doing. I'm like, man, this is a loudmouth Italian. He doesn't know what he's talking about suits, but I'm watching his views accumulate on YouTube while mine are a big zero. So, I started creating these videos and he did inspire me to create my channel because I was just like, I'm going to go beat this guy and give much better information but what i found is that like in many of you guys if you ever compete at a high level you find that you're good friends with these competitors at the when it's all said and done because these people have suffered and have gone through the pain and have built something similar to you it's like i can talk to any man that has served doesn't matter if you served in the iraqi army i've got nothing against you and we've got a camaraderie here because both of us have served you know even though you know our countries like have fought just something or you go to vietnam and you hear about these guys so to me, it's like instant camaraderie and we were like, you know, let's pull our resources and just have, have a party, get together because I got tired of traveling to all these conferences and meeting these amazing people but not seeing them anywhere else. I live a town of only a thousand people, so nobody comes to my town. And it was just something, well, how about if I throw the party and call it a conference so I can write it off and just get in the best people. And kind of my, my guide with this event has always been, Tom, like I've been to enough conferences that suck. This will not suck because, you know, it's always going to be people first. It's always going to be my job as the owner is to facilitate introductions and to make sure that the people attending this event are treated great feel that they get value i find out how to serve them and i serve them as best i can and and that's why i mean you've seen me all i do i'm running around making introductions making sure everyone's taken care of like it's not me sitting up like just watching this thing it's about actually realizing that people come here and they want to get value, and that's what I want to bring to
0: them. Yeah, I'm grateful that I got to speak at this year's 2018's event, and I thought it was interesting because I've been to a lot of conferences. Yours was definitely the best dressed I've been to, and I had to reconsider what I was wearing for it. But the second thing was I thought it was kind of an interesting just um, dynamic because you have you definitely have your entrepreneurs that come, but then you have a big group of men primarily That are kind of focused on the fashion. Then you have like your fashion kind of focused entrepreneurs too. It was an eclectic mix. What's your thoughts on this and how you guys
1: have attracted this group? Yeah, the initial idea was to call it StyleCon. And that's where it was the first, I think, three, three, four years. But what we realized is what we like to talk. I mean, style was, it's men's lifestyle in general that we we started with and we've attracted. But now we've branched into fitness. We've branched going to men's mental health. It is male focused. And that's something I didn't see out there and makes sense with my brands and with the companies we surround ourselves with. But there are three primary. Primarily, type of people that we attract, and that is the creator. Uh, so, if you've got a YouTube channel and Instagram, you're growing. If you're a podcaster, then it would make sense, especially if you're in the men's lifestyle space, or your primary demographic is men. It makes sense to come to this because it's about interacting with those other creators. Then you've got the business owners, and these guys oftentimes do own companies that sell specifically to men, from Chassis, which makes the best ball powder out there on the market, to companies that are selling razor blades, to companies that are selling men's clothing, men's suits. So, that is primarily, but, you know, this year, we're looking, trying to get bodybuilding.com as the main sponsor of the event. So, we're also bringing in lifestyle, you know, which is fitness. You've got the grooming. You've got the style. You've also got the business acumen and that improvement right there. And then, finally, we've got the super fan. And I got, you know, this is a term of endearment we've got for our guys that follow our channels, love what we put out. They consume not only the content, but the companies that we talk about. And they just want to come out and shake hands with these influences and they absolutely love it like thomas frank you met him i mean great guy and he specifically creates content for i think students that are wanting to improve and optimize themselves young men and women he's got a huge uh, you know female following that simply want to be the best college students they can be so guys like that or you've got you know maybe aj you know over at the art of charm which is about helping men you know improve their social skills then you've got matt reynolds you know he's like starting strength online coaching and those guys have been working with, uh, you know, just some of the top. And these are weightlifters, and they're all about strength. And so, you get that group together. And I think what binds us, what brings us together is that we're all looking to improve ourselves. And it's interesting, the dynamic that we are able to create in a mostly male environment. Not, not that we encourage women to attend. It's just simply – that, because of the nature of what we talk about and where we're focused, it's just mostly a male audience,
0: and so your intention originally then was, to, hey, let's get together. Let's maybe bring the conference to us instead of going to these conferences so we can start bringing the interesting people and connecting with them. It obviously got out, got off to a successful start. You did it again. It grew. You did it again, It grew. You're now at a point where I think this next year's tickets for two thousand and nineteen, are already sold out or pretty close to it
1: or something like that, right? I mean, you're- They're coming in on that, but it has been something that, you know, we're still 150, over 150 days out from the event. I don't know, when this goes live, it'll definitely be less. And my goal is to have it sold out, you know, a month, Two months before so we've got a countdown timer that i'm always looking at and i want to add a lot of value there is value we've got a private facebook group that guys can go in but this year what we're doing different is we've got a virtual ticket and i'm really excited about that because and we made it at a price that's a no-brainer i think right now it's uh you know we've got it for 20 bucks and i mean it, the idea is that okay you can't make it then you have no excuse not to be there and to hang out with us because just grab a virtual ticket and we're going to we're going to broadcast the thing we're actually going to interact and reach out to the people that are watching us live and the goal there at that price point again is it's not really to make money. I mean, that's a nice thing if we do, but it is something that I just simply want to have impact. I want to reach more people and be able to get Menfluential out there to anyone that wants to access it.
0: And and so I'm, I'm curious, like is the $20 then? Cause it's not at a price point where it's like super expensive. Like you mentioned, it's not, it doesn't seem like it'd be a huge income generator, but it's also not zero. So is it mostly just like that just covers your expenses for like Honestly, like for
1: like. No, it doesn't even cover the expenses. I mean, unless I saw. I mean, for me to you know do the live broadcast and stuff is like ten thousand dollars. So to the level we're doing it, so I'm going to have to sell a lot of those to make up for you know. I'm not going to. I got my Texas math, so I'm not going to do the numbers on that quick. But I am going to say, and that you know that's something that we just break even. That's not usually the goal of a business. You want to make money. It's about impact. In fact, we were looking to charge like three hundred dollars for the virtual ticket. I see businesses do it all the time. Hundreds of dollars for those virtual tickets but to me it was kind of actually a little bit of youtube i saw the logan paul ksi uh fight they charged seven dollars for access and that was kind of our thought is like this is lunch And if it's not worth it to you, like because I didn't want it to be free. Free people, at least my my thoughts are they take advantage of free or you don't value free. But if there's a little bit of a cost, it's a little bit of a pain point. Like just somebody on my team came back to me. He wanted to join a mastermind. He was wondering if the company could cover it. And my thing is like, I'll cover half. You know, it's like you got to have skin in the game. If you don't have skin in the game, then you've got no vested interest and you do it for two months and you get a lot of value from it. I'll help you continue at 75%.
0: I like that. That's I've never thought about that with employees. But coming back to this, I thought that was interesting, an interesting move to do it that low at that price point, so low, but also not free. So that was that was purposeful. It's not necessarily, you know, hopefully it breaks even, or maybe you guys come up net positive. But so for you, it was exposure, but it sounds like not just exposure or reach per se but of the right people, which is people that would actually pay $20 to view something like this, which isn't
1: everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like staying Friday night and just don't buy, you know, simply just don't buy two beers and the, the gas it costs you to go to the bar or whatever it is. If you're willing, you know, that that's what you're giving up. So to me, it's a no-brainer. If we've got someone listening and they're at a base over in Italy or they're they're over in London and, and they've been a fan, it's like there's no excuse for you not to get this because you're going to get the value simply by, by watching, like, Yeah, by watching one of those presentations, boom, I mean, you've got more value. And and I do feel that when you watch it, you've paid for it, you're going to be more intent on really taking value from it.
0: And I think when I was talking to you last, you, so you guys haven't sold out the tickets just yet, but I'm sure you will. When this goes live, hopefully there'll be some left, so definitely check it out if you're listening to this. But my question is this, I think you had said you were going to cap it, though, at the same number of people. That it was this this past year so why why that decision why to cap it why not expand it what what's the thought process for you
1: well the virtual ticket like right now we're aiming you know that we don't have to put a cap on but i am you know right now i've got that 20 i'm i'm thinking the first i'll go back and i'll check the numbers on that but it is something you know what you want to you want to get people to take action on it and not wait around forever but the, the regular tickets just simply the size of the, the event place i mean you've been in there and you saw we pretty much packed it last year and we had about 400 just over 400 in there counting uh, well 450 counting all the staff and everyone else but attendees i really want and once you get past a certain point like i was out at social media marketing world and i think michael stelzner runs an amazing event there but the problem is is you've got like what four thousand five thousand people there and there's no way that you can meet and talk to everybody it's very difficult for anyone even to get a hold of Michael I mean I'm just I was a speaker so I got to spend time with him and I'm you know we're both from Wisconsin so it's like you know I I got a little bit of access there but I ran into one of my friends uh, John Loomer and you know we went to undergrad together and I've known him for years big Facebook guy and uh, I only happened to run into him and I didn't even know he was speaking there it's that big and what I want is for someone to be able to come to my event and at the price of it is well below most business conferences we go to I've been to conferences it's like two thousand dollars a ticket. This is a fraction of that. So I wanted it to be at a price that anybody could save up and get there. We had a guy come in. We had guys come in from India last year. But it is something that uh, that it's enough that you're going to really feel you you've committed to it. But yeah, the 400, 450, I find it's intimate enough that I'm able to shake everyone's hand over a two day period.
0: That's awesome. So when you you structure this, why you know you do your primary. Business, uh, we'll say or one aspect of it is the YouTube channel. I think it's one of the things you're most well known for. Obviously, there's other aspects to your business, but you do you you run a YouTube channel that's very successful, you know, millions of subscribers, hundreds of thousands of views on your videos. And so I know advertising is a big thing that you can do, sponsorships and things like that. What's the value of doing an in-person event like this, especially when, say, the online component of what you're doing is, is relatively successful? And how did you like weigh the pros and cons of like starting an in-person event in spite of the fact that maybe your online stuff is already doing well? Because I think maybe the consideration would be like, well, maybe shouldn't I just keep putting more effort and energy into this online component, the sponsorship, the ads versus like maybe splitting my time to go do an in-person event? Like what's your thought process on that and how has that panned out?
1: So I do believe, I mean, Yes, I mean, I make a lot more money with my company, Roman Roll Style, and my media company now that actually is called Menfluential Media. We are re- renamed at the conference after the media company. So those two businesses. They make me money. I run this thing like a nonprofit because what I do with a lot of the money is like I cover rooms for my speakers. It's something I I didn't see a lot of conferences. Again, I've been to conferences, I've spoken at conferences that suck. And to me, it's like I always thought that, wait a minute, I'm flying out here on my own dime and I'm putting myself up in my own hotel on my own dime. So, for anyone that's like a returning speaker, I always like try to cover as much as I can. And this year, we should even have money to be able to give our speakers like basically flight credits and things like that. And that's what I get excited. But the reason I I do it is because what's interesting the internet i think has made us more lonely like we spend so much time just interacting and talking with people but we don't have that true human interaction we meet somebody but we don't know how tall they are we have business relationships but we don't even know how that person you know it, you know the little idiosyncrasies or you know how they you know how they when you, next to them they're always clicking a pen or they're doing and to me that is i wanted to have impact true impact i mean i do feel that the relationships i build here and the friendships i've made like if i were to walk out and hit get hit by a bus i feel that there are people i right relationships i've made here like these guys are going to fly out for my funeral and this may sound a little bit morbid but you know it's the idea of planning things with the end in mind and for me i want i feel a lot of men go through life and the, their best friends are the ones they made in college and in high school and they lose a lot of, they lose relationships and and so they you know when you hear statistically when a, when a man's uh, wife dies in these you know in the 60s or 70s that he dies usually a few uh, months afterwards because of loneliness and he has no relationship with not that network women have that so my part of my idea what this was a place for guys where they can actually build and nurture some of these real relationships. So, selfishly, you know, that's why, one of the reasons I'm doing it. So, and a lot of the speakers and the way I evolved the conference, again, I call it a conference, it's really a party. It's like, I get my friends up there to speak. You know, it's like, you look at like, I've watched Jeremy Fragrance, you know, I've been, we've hung out multiple places. We were just in London. I went to Germany, had, you know, hung out with him and his mom for a couple of days. He actually, I mean, this guy just, released or he's got a new fragrance coming out and the guy he's i mean it's just amazing where he's going in the fragrance world he's working with one of the top perfumers in the world now to develop his fragrances and to see jose go from just this little guy that you know was doing nothing this i mean he was just just this skinny mexican kid that was like filming this stuff to i mean he's now like developed out and he's running a seven-figure business and I just am proud that I'm a part of the journey with these guys. And I've got, you know, so everyone I'm looking on here, like, these are my friends. These are guys that, you know, Pete Sveen over at DIY Pete, just great friend. He, he shows up in a lumberjack shirt. You know, he's like, Pete is not, let's face it, we love the guy, but he's not a style guy. I get it. You know, but he's he, he still, I found a way to make him fit and I will evolve my own conference to accommodate my friends and people that I think can offer value to the audience.
0: So let me ask you two two final questions on this point. I'm curious, how did you hustle to get your first Few sales of the tickets uh, when you first started this?
1: I called everybody. I just call people and just so. I mean, I, I think phone sales are something that's a lost art or you, you need to be doing more of it. Everyone wants to sell with a sales page. And to me, it's like, I just like, I'm looking across, it's like, oh, I got to confirm with Benny Lewis. Like, I'll just send him a quick text. And he texts his preferred method or Matt Reynolds. Like, Matt Reynolds sends me a, an email question and I immediately just dial him back and talk to him on the phone because I know Matt is a, he's a, he's a Missouri boy that he likes things a little bit old-fashioned he was actually formerly a teacher before he got into the strength training now he's built a multi-million dollar business and is able to take vacations with his family and he's homeschooling his kids i know this stuff because they're my friends and i care about them and i just again want to me it's about authenticity and you being able to have these people that like Hey, I'd like to think that if the shit hit the fan and you need to get out of Colorado or something's going on, like that you think, you know, I could call Antonio and he's not going to, they'll put me up at his house. Like, sure. Why not? And it's like, that's, I feel that we had that when we were in the service and I want to continue to have that going forward and help maybe facilitate it for guys that, weren't able to do or maybe aren't thinking about it and don't realize that it matters especially when life comes up and just smacks you upside the face
0: and you're calling people who are like and do you have a process for this it's like oh email us and then you you have like how do you
1: anytime i've got dead time i've always got a list of contacts and i always i'm always calling people with any dead time and leaving quick messages you know kind of some people may call it uh you know like pestering but uh if you're on my list you like yeah, I just, it's just fun to, to go back and forth with people. But
0: for something like this, I'm cu- really curious because I think that's great. But it's like, is there, so you say, if you're on my list, like, how does somebody get on that list for you? Is it, is it something you're doing proactively online? Or is it like, how do you, like, do you have people like submit their phone numbers and you'd give them a call? Or how does that process?
1: I, I sort of have a system, like, I have three assistants in there, and it does upset me whenever they treat someone that's a friend of mine like just a non friend. But pretty much, I always just, I just collect it. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, you know, everyone's pretty much in here. So yeah. That's awesome. I wish I had like a, a very super good system, but I think just really building up true friendships and then you know, going through and, and calling people is, yeah.
0: You do it every day. You'll take out and you'll call somebody or text somebody.
1: Not, not every day. I mean, there are certain days that it's a lot easier just to go through, but you usually, people have dead time. I, I try to reserve it to the end of the day, unless I really need to get a hold of hold of people. But um you know, it's like, yeah, I'm just going through looking at, looking at everyone here and I ask them for their number and I call them and, but I also travel to people. I mean, I, I really think like Emil and Rosmus, they, they're they over at Slick Hair TV. They're over in, uh, where was it? Uh, Denmark. I mean, I was like, hey, I'm in Ukraine. I'll just come over. I mean, it, we had to fly into Germany, but I'm in mean, Germany. Okay. I'll see Jeremy. So, I hung out with Jeremy over at Jeremy Freck. Then I took, you know, the train, it was, it was 12 hours up to Denmark. And then I'm like, ah, you know, it's like, I slept on the train, you know, it's like, Yeah, you're not sleeping in a hotel bed, but I'll do that for my friends and they're my friends. And that's, I just enjoy building up this gang of guys. I mean, anytime you do anything, I mean, you're not going to go, I mean, what's more powerful? An individual lone wolf soldier or, I mean, maybe Rambo, but, you know, compared with a whole company or, you know, a whole battalion. I mean, all of a sudden you got, you got a battalion of guys that are motivated. I mean, you're just going to be able to accomplish amazing things.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this, for this final question then on vendors. This is another thing people struggle with within person events. How'd you guys land your first few vendors or not vendors, but sponsors, we'll say.
1: They're my friends. Again, you just simply like friends want to help friends. And it's like Mike over at Rib T. It's like, Hey man, like we're doing this. He's like, I want in. Dave over at, uh, or, you know, the guys over at uh, David Free over at uh, Anson, Bell, and Buckle. I mean, he's, belt I'm wearing right now it's like Antonio you've done so much for us because I again they're my friends and and I, I maintain these deep relationships and it's like let's sh- know we'll be there first year you know they were they we gave them discounts on like because they were like oh you know I don't we gotta see but after that they were sold and when they realized how much we cared about them how much we tried to bring them in and we've helped Anson Belt and Buckle become you know a seven-figure business in other means and so it all kind of it all works together and again, I had built relationships and it was just simply a matter of saying, hey, you know, Alex over at Del Smolchi, just, hey, you want to come out and sponsor? And say, a $40, $50 million company. And for him, it's like, no, sure. And he sends, you know, he sends all his girls, you know, he's got, he's got just a whole marketing team that he, he ends up sending out to us. And he pops in himself because he's got, we've got this relationship. And of course, there is business value there. But, uh, but I do feel that people want to do business with not only those that are going to benefit them, but also people they like and trust.
0: Wow. Well, I think that can be the summary of today's conversation, honestly, is the relationship piece. And that seems like that's like absolutely your focus. Like everything we talked about, it kind of came back to relationships. It's kind of interesting. We didn't even uh, choreograph this or or pre-plan this. That's just kind of interesting. That's awesome. Well, Antonio, where can people reach out to find you, connect with you, learn more about you?
1: Yeah, just type in, you know, if they want to learn about the conference, just type in Menfluential Conference to the Google. The Google will send you, yeah. Now, if you want to find me, just type in Antonio Centeno or Real Men Real Style. You'll find me. I've got a contact form, which I'm always proud to send people through because it was, like, featured in the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's just fun. And, again, it's, uh, you know, if I can serve, if I can be of value, and if uh, anyone wants to go to a conference that they get to write off but really is a party, make sure to check out Menful Engine. Another
0: way to find you is just searching what's the difference between a sports coat and a blazer. I searched that and I found your video right at the top, Antonio. So
1: there you you go. How to roll your shirt sleeves, how to tuck in your shirt. I got you. You'll find my videos. (laughs) I love it. Well, Antonio, (laughs) thank you for being on In the Trenches. Thanks for having me, Tom.
0: And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do me a favor and go to tomworkuscom slash iTunes. That's T-O-M. M-O-R-K-E-S dot com slash iTunes and leave a rating and review for In the Trenches. Not only do I read and appreciate every review, but it helps spread the word of this podcast and allows me to continue to get on great guests. So thank you for your support, and I'll catch you on the next broadcast of In the Trenches.